Shadows in the Canopy a suspenseful tale of survival, conflict and adaptation, set on an unknown island full of mysteries. With no adults to guide them, a group of stranded teenagers must navigate fear, rivalry and the unknown in their struggle for survival. Chapter 1, The Crash and First Contact with a Horrific Cacophony of Splintering Metal and Shattering Glass, The Plane Went Down. One moment, twenty teenagers were laughing and joking, taking selfies, and munching on airplane food, and the next, they were plunged into a nightmare of screeching alarms, oxygen masks dropping in front of frightened faces, and the violent lurching of the plane as it began its fatal dive. The pilot's frantic voice over the intercom was drowned out by the roar of the failing engines and the terrified screams of its young passengers. The last thing any of them remembered before everything went black was the terrible sensation of falling and the earth rushing up to meet them. When they awoke, it was to a world turned upside down. The remains of the plane were scattered around them like discarded toys, half buried in the sand of an unknown beach. Twisted metal and debris were strewn everywhere, some pieces still smoking, and the sickening smell of fuel hung heavily in the air. Most of the fuselage had been ripped apart, revealing a gaping hole from which the survivors had been violently ejected. Dazed and disoriented, they picked themselves up, each one grappling with their own injuries. Some had bloody gashes and broken bones, others were nursing burns and sprains. But they were alive, and that realization pushed them into frantic action. They began by salvaging what they could from the wreckage. Suitcases had been thrown open in the crash, their contents scattered around the crash site. They gathered clothes, toiletries, first aid kits, anything that could be useful. The food and water from the plane's galley were rationed, knowing they would need to make it last. From there, they moved on to scouting for fresh water. A small group, led by Hannah, ventured into the nearby forest, armed with empty water bottles and a cautious hope. They returned with full bottles and news of a clear stream a few hundred meters into the dense jungle, a lifeline in their bleak situation. Meanwhile, the others tried to signal for help. Using bits of metal wreckage and the plane's broken-off tail, they created a large SOS sign in the sand, visible from above. They also started a signal fire, feeding it with branches and bits of wreckage, sending plumes of smoke into the sky. As night fell, they huddled together around the fire, their faces ghostly in its flickering light. The sound of the crashing waves was drowned out by the eerie silence of the unknown, the strange, alien noises that came from the dense forest behind them. The looming trees seemed to be hiding secrets in their shadows, and the teenagers could not shake off the feeling of being watched. They had survived the unimaginable, a plane crash, the first day on an unknown island. But as they settled in for their first night, wrapped in salvaged blankets and huddled in the wreckage, they couldn't shake the feeling of dread. Their ordeal was far from over, and the shadows in the canopy seemed to whisper threats of dangers yet to come. Chapter 2, Rise of Factions The sun offered little comfort as it rose over the horizon. The dawn painted the sky with a palette of vibrant hues, but the otherworldly beauty only amplified the grim reality. They were lost. Stranded in a place none of them could fathom, the group of twenty teenagers had now spent a week on the island. Each passing day brought with it the realization that rescue might not come. Factions started to form almost organically, driven by differing viewpoints and coping mechanisms. The group's unity, fragile from the start, began to fracture under the immense weight of fear and dwindling resources. It was clear that a struggle for leadership was brewing, and the fallout was all but inevitable. 
Hannah, who had shown a remarkable level of pragmatism since the crash, became the nucleus of one faction. She was impressive, not just for her quick thinking, but also for her resilience and adaptability. Hannah believed in the power of acceptance. She argued that the key to their survival was in recognizing their new reality, not in denying it. She prioritized finding a sustainable source of food, creating shelters, and, essentially, establishing an existence on the island. She attracted a following of like-minded individuals who saw the value in her logic and moved with her to set up camp near a stream. On the other side of this emerging divide, Jake had taken a different approach. Charismatic, passionate, and stubbornly optimistic, Jake was the embodiment of hope for another faction of the group. He refused to accept that they were stranded and spent his hours devising plans to signal for help. He led the construction of large SOS signs made from debris and took charge of fire maintenance, hoping to generate enough smoke to catch the attention of any passing planes or ships. His refusal to surrender to their circumstances rallied a group of teenagers who held hope as their lifeline. The tension between these two factions was palpable. The once unified group now found themselves at odds, split along ideological lines. Hannah viewed Jake's continued insistence on signaling as a waste of precious energy and resources. She argued that they needed to focus on conserving their strength and adapting to the island. Contrarily, Jake saw Hannah as a defeatist, someone who had given up too quickly on the possibility of rescue. He believed her efforts in setting up a camp were premature and demoralizing to those who still held hope. Amid this discord, each decision, each step taken, became a battleground. The once harmonious effort of survival was replaced by a clash of ideas and wills. Each day that passed, the chasm between the two factions seemed to grow wider, the connections that once held them together straining under the stress of their situation. Meanwhile, the island watched quietly, its trees whispering secrets to the wind, its shadows deepening with each passing day. The tension within the human ranks mirrored the underlying tension of the wild, unknown habitat that surrounded them. The island was a silent observer to their trials, an unwitting participant in their struggle for survival. In the rise of these factions, they lost sight of the shared adversary, the island itself. They were no longer just battling a hostile environment but also each other. As the sun set on their seventh day, the future seemed uncertain. Would they continue down this path of division and internal conflict, or would they find a way to reunite and face their challenges together? In the flickering firelight, their faces etched with worry and exhaustion, they knew one thing for certain. Their struggle was far from over, it was only just beginning. The island, shrouded in mystery and danger, waited patiently, its shadows dancing in the canopy above. Chapter 3, Discoveries and Dangers The sun rose, casting long shadows that slowly retreated back into the dense undergrowth. The crash site, once a chaotic scramble of survival efforts, had now quieted down, the wreckage a grim reminder of their predicament. The task of the day was not merely to endure, but to discover, to venture into the heart of the island that held them captive. Hannah and Jake, leading their respective factions, decided to split up and explore different regions of the island. Their shared goal was to gather information and resources, but their motivations remained as distinct as their leadership styles. Jake was searching for a higher vantage point to help boost their SOS signal, while Hannah was more concerned with understanding their environment and finding additional sources of food and water. 
As they delved deeper into the wild, the strange beauty of the island began to unfurl. It was an untouched wilderness, the flora was lush and exotic, the trees towering with dense canopies that filtered the sunlight into a million dancing specks. Creatures they had never seen before rustled in the undergrowth, watched them from the treetops with cautious eyes, or darted away into the dense foliage. The island was alive with strange sounds, distant calls, rustling leaves, the occasional startling cry that echoed through the trees, all overlaid by the constant hum of insect chatter. Then, the first signs of previous inhabitants began to emerge. Hannah's group found bizarre markings etched into the tree trunks. The symbols were abstract, some spiraled into intricate circles, others were geometric shapes interwoven with what looked like crude representations of animals. They were not random acts of nature, but deliberate, intentional, a language they couldn't decipher but undeniably a sign of human touch. Jake's faction stumbled upon something even more disconcerting. Nestled in a clearing, shielded by dense bamboo thickets, stood a structure of stone and bamboo. It was primitive, yet remarkably complex, an architectural paradox that left them in awe. The structure, seemingly abandoned, held a tangible presence of its creators. Within it, they found rudimentary tools, stone and bone, worn by use. The discovery sent a shiver of fear and excitement through both groups. They were not alone, the island was not just a passive backdrop but a living participant in their survival drama. People had been here before them, and they might still be here. When the factions reconvened, the tension was palpable. They shared their findings, the strange markings, and the primitive structure. Their isolation had been a shield, but now, it seemed to be a veil that was slowly lifting, revealing the unsettling reality of their situation. They were strangers in this land, and the island kept its secrets well. But one thing was now painfully clear, they were not the island's first, and they were possibly not its only inhabitants. The realization brought a new wave of fear. But underlying that fear was a spark of hope, if others had survived here, so could they. The day's exploration had revealed more than just the physical layout of the island, it revealed the collective need to understand, adapt, and most importantly, survive. As night fell, they returned to their respective camps, each group consumed by their thoughts, their fears and hopes echoing in the sounds of the night. But above all, the island itself seemed to listen, its shadows deepening, concealing the truths of its canopy, the next chapter of their survival just beginning to unfold. Chapter 4, On the Brink of Chaos The heat intensified in the days that followed Lily's disappearance. The island, once a paradisiacal escape, now felt like a furnace, burning their hopes and fueling desperation. Jake's faction, now reduced to a mere eight members, was bearing the brunt of it. Their camp, situated closer to the beach, was excessively exposed to the harsh sunlight and their supplies of coconuts and wild berries were dwindling alarmingly fast. Jake watched as his comrades' ribs became more prominent, their eyes more sunken. He knew he had to make a decision fast. Hope of rescue dwindled each day, as did the chance of survival on meager berries and sparse coconuts. He had noticed that Hannah's faction, situated deeper in the forest, seemed less gaunt, less desperate. They had access to a fresh water stream and had discovered edible roots and plants in the forest's undergrowth. The plan to raid Hannah's camp was born out of this desperation. In the dead of the night, Jake gathered his group around a dying fire, outlining his plan. 
There was initial resistance, voices raised in protest, but as he vehemently defended his strategy, the rising hunger in their bellies swayed them. The following night, armed with crudely fashioned spears, Jake led his faction through the jungle. They crept forward, moving like shadows under the moonlit canopy. The forest was alive with chirps and rustles, the sound of an island that never slept. As they neared Hannah's camp, they saw the glow of a small fire, with figures huddled around it. Jake signaled for his group to spread out, encircling the camp. Taking a deep breath, he stepped forward, his spear gripped tightly. The confrontation was swift and brutal. Alerted by the rustling, Hannah's group had just a moment to react before they were set upon. Chaos erupted as members from both factions collided. Shouts filled the air, merging with the primal sounds of the jungle. In the ensuing melee, several teenagers from both sides were injured. A spear grazed Hannah's arm, while Jake received a blow to his head. Despite their injuries, they fought fiercely, their survival instincts obscuring the pain. The confrontation ended as abruptly as it had begun. Jake's faction, weakened and outnumbered, was pushed back. They retreated, leaving behind a shaken and angered Hannah's group. In the aftermath of the confrontation, both factions were left to lick their wounds. Hannah's group, though they had successfully defended their camp, were left fearing another attack. Meanwhile, Jake's group returned to their camp, their raid unsuccessful and their spirits crushed. Jake's head throbbed painfully, and he could taste the bitter tang of defeat. But it was more than just physical wounds that were inflicted that night. The confrontation had scraped raw their thin veneer of civilization, revealing the primal creatures beneath. It was a sobering revelation, a glimpse into the chaos they were on the brink of descending into. As they nursed their wounds, an uneasy silence fell over the island. The only sounds were the distant crash of waves and the whispering wind. Underneath it all was the unspoken fear, of the unseen tribe, of each other, and, perhaps most terrifying, of the persons they were becoming. This was the real aftermath of the confrontation, a palpable shift in the dynamics, a silent acknowledgement that they had crossed a line from which there was no return. They had become predators and prey on an island that watched in silence, its secrets concealed in the shadows. Chapter 5, Disappearance into the Shadows The day began like any other on the island. The morning sun, filtered through the dense foliage, painted dappling patterns of light on the ground. The survivors, split between Hannah's and Jake's factions, were busy with the daily routines. Hannah's group was hunting for edible plants, while Jake's faction was toiling with another attempt to light a smoke fire. Among them was Lily, a shy and quiet teenager, assigned to the simple task of gathering firewood. By mid-afternoon, however, the situation had taken a drastic turn. Lily, who had ventured into the fringes of the jungle, had not returned. In the beginning, nobody panicked. Lily had a knack for getting lost in her thoughts and losing track of time. But when the sun began to dip towards the horizon, staining the sky with shades of fiery orange and pink, a sense of unease started to creep in. Jake, who had been particularly protective of Lily, was the first to express concern. The firewood gathering task was simple and shouldn't have taken the whole day. A search party was quickly formed, combing the perimeter of their camp, calling out Lily's name. The voices echoed through the dense jungle, a haunting symphony of growing despair and worry. It was Hannah who found the first clue. A piece of Lily's tattered clothing, hooked on a thorny bush near the edge of the jungle. The fabric was torn and stained with fresh blood. 
The sight of it sent a chilling shockwave through the group, turning their worry into tangible fear. Jake, upon seeing the bloodied scrap, went pale and silent, his eyes wide with panic. The others, too, were visibly shaken. The island was no longer just an inhospitable environment, it had now become a predatory entity. Word of Lily's disappearance spread through the two camps like wildfire. Fear, which had been a constant companion since their crash, now gripped them in a more primitive, potent form. Whispers of the unseen tribe became louder, more persistent. The once harmless rustling of leaves now sounded like stealthy footsteps. The hooting of owls turned into eerie tribal calls. The shadows dancing in the corner of their eyes no longer seemed innocuous. Their paradise had turned into a hunting ground and they, the prey. Every strange marking on the trees, every unusual noise in the night was now attributed to this unseen tribe. Stories and theories of what might have happened to Lily spiraled out of control. The fear of the unknown, fueled by their imagination, escalated into paranoia. That night, sleep eluded the teenagers. The flickering fire cast long, ominous shadows that seemed to reach out towards them. With Lily's disappearance, their predicament had taken a sinister turn. The unseen tribe was no longer just a figment of their imagination. The danger was real. Lily's abandoned task of gathering firewood became a haunting reminder of the threat they faced. As the embers of the fire slowly died, swallowed by the encroaching darkness, one thing was clear, the island, with all its unseen threats, had finally sunk its claws into their minds. The facade of normalcy had been shattered. They were now truly lost, in every sense of the word, in the looming shadows of the unknown. Chapter 6, Ghosts in the Jungle The eerie morning fog had barely lifted, the dampness still lingering in the air when the first sign appeared, a peculiar pattern of footprints etched in the moist earth around their camp, clearly visible in the pale dawn light. None of the teenagers recognized the prints as their own, they were smaller, yet deeper. They bore the unmistakable sign of barefooted adults. Whispers of the unseen tribe filled the air, hushed conversations punctuated by fearful glances towards the dense jungle. The impenetrable wall of greenery surrounding their camp seemed to close in on them, its shadows stretching menacingly towards their refuge. Days turned into nights, and nights into days. Their time on the island was beginning to blur into a continuous loop of fear and uncertainty. The days were filled with the mundane chores of survival, gathering food, maintaining the camp, the continuous repairs on their makeshift shelter. The nights, however, belonged to the unseen tribe. First, it was just the whispers, barely audible over the soft rustling of the trees. They would rise with the setting sun, a low murmur riding on the cool evening breeze. An indistinguishable chatter in a language they didn't know, yet it sent shivers down their spines. The teenagers would huddle together around the dying embers of their fire, the whispers echoing in their ears, filling the stony silence of the darkened jungle. Then came the shadows. Fleeting figures darted at the corner of their eyes, just on the edge of the firelight. They slid along the jungle floor, slipped between the tree trunks, disappearing as quickly as they appeared. Sometimes they would see them from the corner of their eyes, other times, they would catch the dark forms in the reflections of still water puddles. One night, Hannah, unable to sleep, watched in silent terror as a shadow detached itself from the darkness and moved towards their camp. It was tall and slender, its movements eerily graceful. It passed through their camp briefly, neither disrupting nor being disrupted. 
it was as if it existed on a different plane, unbound by the constraints of their reality. The shadow lingered for a moment longer before melting back into the darkness from whence it came. The tribe's presence was inescapable, their whispers a constant backdrop to their lives, their shadows a continuous reminder of their precarious existence on the island. Paranoia gripped them, sleep became a luxury, and every rustle in the undergrowth a potential threat. Yet, there was no confrontation. No further signs of aggression from the unseen tribe. Just their whispers in the wind and shadows dancing in the tree line. The tribe was everywhere and nowhere at once, an omnipresent threat they couldn't fight or flee. Their fear of the known was replaced with the terror of the unseen, the ghosts in the jungle that held them in their sinister grasp. As the chapter came to a close, the teenagers were left in a state of fearful anticipation, caught in a psychological tug of war with an enemy they couldn't see, and what they couldn't see, they couldn't understand. The island, once a prison, was now a haunted house, and they, its unwilling inhabitants, were left to wonder if they were the island's guests or its prey. Chapter 7, Descent into Madness The sun rose stubbornly over the horizon, spilling its rays over the lush canopy that marked the boundaries of the unknown. The island that was once a daunting, unfamiliar territory had now become an open prison for the stranded teenagers. With the disappearance of Lily, a thick, tangible cloud of paranoia and fear had settled over the two factions. The jungle that used to echo with the chirping of birds and rustling of leaves was now eerily silent, amplifying the whispers and shadows that lurked behind the thick undergrowth. Hannah's group, huddled together in their makeshift camp, had been on high alert since dusk. Their eyes, filled with dread, scanned the jungle for any signs of movement. Despite their efforts to stay calm and rationalize Lily's disappearance, the unknown had planted seeds of hysteria in their minds that threatened to bloom at any moment. In contrast, Jake's camp was boiling with rage and desperation. The specter of hunger and the psychological strain of survival had transformed them. Jake, with his charismatic charm now replaced by a grim determination, had been rallying his followers for a new raid on Hannah's camp. His speeches, though filled with the promise of food and safety, were fueled by the growing fear of the unseen tribe. Violence was inevitable. The tension that had been simmering between the two factions since their formation had now turned into an open feud. Fistfights became frequent. Words, spoken in fear and anger, turned into weapons, carving deep emotional wounds. The beach, once a sanctuary from the ominous jungle, was now littered with the remnants of their clashes. The sand, stained with their blood and sweat, was a testament to their descent into madness. As the days passed, the teens started noticing disturbing signs. Seashells arranged in strange patterns on the beach, the eerie silence of the forest, quick fleeting shadows that disappeared before they could be sure of what they saw, and the whispers that seemed to come from the jungle itself. The unseen tribe was watching them and it was clear they were not mere spectators. Despite the fear of the unseen tribe, the teenagers couldn't shake off their internal struggles. The escalation in the disputes and the continuing fear of the unknown had them spiraling into a state of hysteria. Sleep-deprived, hungry, and constantly on edge, they began to lose their sense of self. The pragmatic Hannah and the charismatic Jake were slowly being replaced by paranoid leaders, ready to do whatever it took to keep the group safe. The unseen tribe, with their subtle manipulations, had successfully pushed the teenagers to the brink of chaos. The line between reality and imagination blurred. Every rustle of leaves became a threat, every shadow a specter, every whisper a warning. 
The unseen tribe was everywhere and nowhere, a constant, terrifying enigma. The island was no longer just an unfamiliar land, it was a living nightmare, pushing them deeper into madness. As Hannah lay awake one night, listening to the rhythmic breathing of her companions and the unsettling silence of the forest, she knew they were spiraling into a world of hysteria where reason held no ground. If they kept going down this path, their worst enemy wouldn't be the unseen tribe or the wild animals or starvation, it would be their own fear. Despite the dread gnawing at her, Hannah held onto a sliver of hope. She knew they needed to find a way to quench the growing hysteria and violence, but the question was how. As the leader, she felt the weight of their fear and survival on her shoulders. The shadows in the canopy were growing darker and the descent into madness was becoming deeper. Chapter 8, The Edge of Desperation The sun was setting, casting long shadows that danced along the dense foliage of the island. The eerie silence was punctuated only by the occasional rustling leaves or the distant hoot of an unknown creature hidden in the heart of the island. The group of teenagers, once united in their quest for survival, now stood divided into two factions, their eyes reflecting a sense of fear and defiance. At the heart of the conflict were Hannah and Jake, both eager to protect the groups, both convinced that their approach to survival was the only viable one. Hannah's faction had spent the past few weeks adapting to the island, learning to fish and hunt, forage for fruits and edible plants, and even construct shelters from the branches and leaves of the dense jungle. They had established a routine, a semblance of normalcy amidst the chaos they found themselves in. Jake's group, on the other hand, had focused their efforts on signaling for help. The days were filled with the arduous task of collecting dry wood to keep their signal fire going and their nights were spent gazing at the sky, hoping for a sign of rescue. The escalating animosity between the two factions was palpable. The island, which was initially a symbol of their plight, had now become a battleground, each group defending their territory with a fervor that only desperation could breed. Jake's group, driven to the brink by hunger and frustration, had made the difficult decision to raid Hannah's camp for supplies. They were surprisingly well equipped, having salvaged a lot from the wreckage. But the lack of food and their stubborn refusal to learn from the island had led them to this desperate juncture. Jake called for a secretive meeting, gathering his group near the dwindling fire. Their faces were gaunt, the bright eyes that once held the spark of youthful zest now replaced with a hollow look, a testament of their escalating desperation. He outlined his plan to raid Hannah's camp under the cover of nightfall, while they would be least expecting it. In stark contrast to the stealthy deliberation happening within Jake's faction, Hannah's group was a flurry of activity. It was a routine night, some of them were on guard duty while others were resting, unaware of the impending danger. As the sun finally set, plunging the island into darkness, the tension was at its peak. The eerie silence of the night was disrupted by the rustling leaves as Jake and his group made their way stealthily towards Hannah's camp. The preparation for the final confrontation was underway. The island, once a prison for the group of stranded teenagers, would now become a battleground where they would fight not just for survival but also for their beliefs. The escalating conflict and the impending confrontation was a testament to the desperation that had seeped into their hearts and minds. The teenagers had started the journey on this island united, a single group of survivors against the world, but were now on the verge of a potentially fatal conflict, each faction a reflection of the different ideologies of survival. Unbeknownst to them, the true test of their survival instinct was just beginning. 
Chapter 9. The Unseen revealed the tension in the dense jungle air was palpable as the two factions faced each other. The dirt pathway that divided their camps was the line of demarcation, an invisible boundary that once crossed, signified no return. Hannah stood at the forefront of her camp, a makeshift spear gripped tightly in her hand. Her knuckles were white with the intensity of her hold, her eyes focused and steely. Across the divide, Jake mirrored her stance, his fiery gaze locked onto hers. The silence of the standoff was eerie, broken only by the low hum of the cicadas in the dense canopy above. The moment Hannah took a step forward, chaos broke loose. Shouts filled the air as the teenagers rushed towards each other, their desperation and fear fueling their aggression. The jungle floor became a battlefield, the air thick with fear, sweat, and the stinging scent of adrenaline. Just as Jake was about to clash with Hannah, the ground under their feet seemed to tremble, an uncanny wind swept through the trees, and a deafening silence fell over the jungle. The combatants froze, their conflict momentarily forgotten as they looked around in confusion and fear. And then, the unseen came into the light. With a rustling of leaves and a crackling of twigs, the jungle around them stirred to life. Dark, humanoid shapes stepped out of the shadows, their bodies adorned with tribal paint and feathers, their faces covered with intricately carved masks. Their presence was menacing, their silence even more so. These were the dwellers of the island, the unseen tribe, the ghosts in the jungle that they had feared. But instead of the savages they had imagined, the tribe stood there in solemn silence, their eyes, visible through the slits in their masks, reflecting not hostility but a deep, ancient wisdom. They moved slowly but purposefully, forming a circle around the teenagers. The weapons in their hands were not raised in threat, but as if in a ritual, they were pointed towards the ground, the tips lit with fire. Suddenly, one of them stepped forward, the ornate feathers in his headdress signifying his status. He raised his hands, and to the teenagers' surprise, he spoke. His voice was deep and resonated with an authority that silenced the whimpering and confused murmurs immediately. His words were in a language they couldn't understand, but the message was clear. This was their land, and they were the guardians. They were not the enemy, but they would defend their home if need be. The tribesmen pointed towards the sky, then to the earth, and finally, with a sweeping gesture, he encompassed everyone within the circle. The message was clear, they were all part of this island now. The intervention of the tribe was like a bucket of cold water over the heated confrontation. The teenagers, on the verge of savagery just moments ago, stood dumbfounded. Their internal squabbles suddenly seemed insignificant in the face of this revelation. The tribe slowly receded into the shadows, leaving the shell-shocked teenagers in their wake. The night seemed to reclaim its tranquility, but something had shifted irrevocably. The unseen had revealed themselves, and nothing would be the same again. The final confrontation had happened, not between the factions, but between their fear and the reality of the island. The teenagers were left to grapple with the understanding that they were not alone, and that survival was not a war to be won but a harmony to be achieved. As the fire of the confrontation died down, replaced by the flickering flames of the tribe's departing signal, the jungle held its breath, waiting for the dawn of a new understanding. They were no longer just survivors, they were now part of the island, part of its ancient rhythm, part of its untold history. The unseen had been revealed, and in the revealing, they had been shown a mirror to their own savagery, their self-destructive fear, and their potential for change. The island, for better or worse, was now their home.
and it was time to learn to live with the shadows in the canopy. Chapter 10, A New Understanding The sun was sinking low in the sky, casting long shadows that danced on the island's dense foliage. The teenagers, still reeling from the confrontation with the tribe, were scattered around their camp, their minds grappling with the reality of the situation. It was a silence not of peace, but of a battle raging within each one of them. Hannah, her usually vibrant eyes clouded with a grim understanding, sat quietly overlooking the sea. She was aware that the dreams of rescue had been a desperate grasp at the familiar, a denial of the change that had landed them on the alien island. Across the camp, Jake was silent too, his charismatic persona subdued by the weight of the truth. In the aftermath of their encounter with the tribe, the teenagers were forced to confront the reality of their situation. The island was their home now, at least for the time being, and survival meant adapting to this new environment, not fighting against it. Jake and Hannah locked eyes across the camp. It was a look they exchanged that held a wealth of understanding. They both recognized the futility of their internal conflict. Their squabbles, rivalries, and the bitter divide, all were distractions that had steered them away from focusing on their survival. Gradually, the teenagers began to assemble around the remnants of the fire, drawn by the unspoken agreement that they needed to talk. It wasn't a formal gathering, nor was it led by any one person. It was a collective need to reconcile, to mend the fractures that had divided their small society. Jake was the first to speak, his voice raw with the burden of his realizations. He acknowledged his stubbornness and apologized for the division he had caused. Hannah, in turn, apologized for her part in the conflict and admitted that her pragmatism had perhaps been too harsh at times. Their confessions sparked a wave of apologies, admissions, and promises for change. The teenagers, hardened by their experiences, were shedding their pretenses and opening up to each other. This was a side of them that hadn't been seen since before the plane crash, a vulnerability that they'd hidden behind masks of fear and bravado. The reconciliation of the factions didn't happen overnight. It was a process that required time, patience, and a conscious effort from every single one of them. But as days turned into weeks, the lines that had once divided them began to blur. Decisions were made as a group, work was divided equitably, and disputes were resolved through dialogue. Their attitude towards survival underwent a transformation. Instead of seeing the island as an adversary, they began to regard it as a home. They learned to appreciate its beauty, to understand its rhythms, and to respect its inhabitants. The Unseen Tribe was no longer a terrifying enigma but a part of the island's ecosystem that they needed to coexist with. Despite the hardships and the fear, there was now a sense of community among the teenagers. They worked together, fished together, and at night, they sat around the fire, sharing stories and laughter. Although they were far from the comforts of their homes, they had found a new sense of belonging. The realization dawned on them that survival wasn't just about staying alive. It was about living, truly living, adapting, learning, and growing. It was about facing their fears, tackling challenges, and emerging stronger. And most importantly, it was about unity, companionship, and the shared human spirit of resilience. As they embraced their new understanding of survival, the teenagers began to see their situation not as a bleak predicament, but as an opportunity, an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to survive against the odds. The island was no longer a prison, but a stage for the raw and powerful drama of life.
Chapter 11, Living with the Shadows The mellow morning sun filtered through the dense jungle canopy, casting a warm glow over the clearing where Hannah and Jake's once divided factions had now united. The air was thick with an unfamiliar sense of calm, a stark contrast to the relentless tension and fear that had gripped them only days ago. The events of the past weeks had sculpted them, not into hardened survivors, but into a new breed of island dwellers learning to live with their shadows. There had been a shift in their focus. The desperate and futile attempts to escape the island had gradually faded. Now, the collective effort was channeled into coexisting with the island and its unseen inhabitants. Instead of viewing the island as a hostile jailer, they started perceiving it as a home, a place that tested their resilience but also offered them shelter, food, and a chance to learn about their own strengths. Hannah stood at the edge of the clearing, watching as some of the teenagers worked on reinforcing their shelters, using techniques the tribe had silently shown them. She could not help but marvel at the transformation of the group. The unity was no longer born out of a common enemy or fear, it was now a conscious choice, a survival strategy. Jake, on the other hand, was busy setting up traps for small game, using the intricate bamboo mechanisms the tribe had left as models in the nearby undergrowth. The hot-headed teen who had been so adamant about escaping the island was now one of the most eager to learn about it. He had realized that survival meant more than being rescued, it was about being resourceful and resilient in the face of the unknown. The once frightening whispers in the jungle had now become a comforting lullaby, the shadows a reassuring presence of their unseen guardians. The teenagers no longer jumped at every rustle in the undergrowth, no longer viewed each unfamiliar creature as a potential threat. Fear had been replaced with curiosity, panic with patience. Lily, though still missing, had become a symbol of their transformation. Her disappearance was a constant reminder of the dangers that lurked in the jungle, but it also served as a beacon of hope. The tribe had not harmed them, and perhaps, they believed, Lily was safe somewhere, perhaps even thriving among the tribe. Adapting to this new reality was not easy. Every day presented a different challenge, a new lesson. But for the first time since the crash, there was a sense of stability. Food was no longer scarce, as they had learned to fish in the island's streams and forage for edible plants under the guidance of the tribe. The terrifying unknown had become a familiar home. The shadowy figures lurking in the jungle no longer represented fear, but a unique bond between them and the tribe. The jungle, once a daunting wilderness, was now a vast classroom, the island a teacher like no other. The teenagers were its students, learning the harsh yet enlightening lessons of survival, adaptation, and coexistence. And as they gradually molded into their new roles, the hopeful glimmers of a harmonious life started to shine through the ominous shadows in the canopy. Chapter 12, Hope on the Horizon The morning broke on the island, the sunlight filtering through the dense canopy and casting long, flickering shadows across the sandy beach. The eeriness that had once hung over the island like a shroud was now absent, the ever-present tension having diffused into an uneasy but hopeful calm. The teenagers, once strangers, were now a tribe of their own, battered and bruised but resilient, their bonds forged in the crucible of survival. They had internalized the lessons of the island, their perspectives forever altered by the indomitable dance of survival and adaptation, of conflict, and unity. The day's agenda was clear, and everyone had a role to play. Hannah took the lead, organizing the group with an air of authority that was both respected and welcomed. 
Jake, once her rival, now stood by her side, his charisma and energy channeled into constructive collaboration. They were preparing for yet another attempt at signaling for help. In the center of the beach, a pile of wood was meticulously arranged. Dry leaves and coconut husks nestled in the heart of the structure, the promise of smoke trapped within the brittle forms. All around, the teenagers bustled with purposeful energy, gathering more fuel, tending to the injured, and shoring up their fragile shelters. As evening descended, the pyre was lit. Flames crackled and licked hungrily at the wood, growing stronger and fiercer under the watchful eyes of the group. The fire spit and hissed, sending a thick plume of smoke spiraling upwards, reaching out to the silvery swath of twilight sky. The smoke signal was a success. With hope kindled in their hearts, the teenagers watched the sky, their eyes anxiously scanning the horizon. As the sun finally kissed the ocean goodnight, a faint silhouette appeared on the horizon. It was a speck at first, barely discernible against the vast expanse of the sea, but it grew larger and more defined with each passing minute. A ship, a collective gasp echoed across the beach. Some broke into tears, others into laughter. They hugged and clapped each other on the back, their faces lighting up with the purest expressions of joy and relief. But amidst the celebration, a sobering realization settled in their hearts. They had survived. They had adapted. They had learned. As the ship drew closer, they huddled together. The journey had begun with a terrifying crash and the loss of everything familiar. It was marked by struggle and conflict, fear, and uncertainty. But it was also defined by courage, resilience, and a newfound understanding of their own strength. The island had been an unforgiving teacher, but its lessons were indelible. The shadows in the canopy were no longer harbingers of unseen terrors but a testament to the mysteries and complexities of life. The stone structures, once alien and foreboding, stood as monuments to a culture that thrived in harmony with nature. The whispers of the jungle were no longer fearful but a melodic symphony of life in its rawest form. The teenagers looked at each other, their faces aglow in the light of the fire, their eyes reflecting the profound wisdom gained from their ordeal. As they boarded the rescue ship, their hearts were heavy with a strange blend of elation and sorrow, of relief and regret. They were leaving the island, but the island would never leave them. Their ordeal had been a crucible, and they emerged from it not as mere survivors but as vessels of change, their perspectives forever shaped by their experiences. They had learned the true power of unity, the beauty of adaptation, and the destructive potential of fear and conflict. The lessons of the island, although harsh, were invaluable. As the island's silhouette shrank into the distance, they promised to carry its legacy, to respect nature, to value unity, and to always remember the strength that lies within them. They were not just survivors, they were bearers of hope on the horizon. They were the children of the shadows in the canopy. Epilogue in the twilight of our narrative, the threads of a thousand moments of fear, joy, pain, and courage converge in the lives of our once naive teenagers. They emerge from the heart of the wild, bearing the evidence of their ordeal in a tapestry of scars that maps the young bodies, etching a lifetime of experiences into the tender canvas of their adolescence. Yet, it is not merely the physical wounds that echo their epic tale, but the remnants of the saga that are etched into the crevices of their souls. The world they knew before has been shattered, replaced with a raw understanding of human nature's duality, its capacity for both nobility and savagery. The verdant jungle they once feared has imprinted itself upon the very beings. 
The whispers in the undergrowth, the rustle of leaves underfoot, the shadows cast by the towering canopy, all have found a home within their hearts, taking root as inescapable memories that resurface in the tranquility of the dreams. Civilization is no longer the haven it once was. In the familiar, they find strangeness, their perception forever altered by the lens of survival. The hum of traffic is intertwined with the distant rumble of a predator, the soft glow of a screen is tainted by the haunting darkness of the jungle night. Behind every corner lies the ghost of danger, a phantom from a past they have lived but can no longer escape. Their return is not a triumphant homecoming but a rebirth into an alien world. They are exiles in their own land, straddling the line between the concrete jungles of modernity and the primal wilderness that has claimed a piece of their identities. Yet, amid the disorientation and the ceaseless echoes of their ordeal, there is resilience. In their shared experiences, they find a camaraderie seldom seen among their peers. Their memories of the jungle, of the shadows under the canopy, bind them together, an unspoken pact of survival that transcends the normative bonds of friendship. Every laughter is a testament to their endurance, every tear a tribute to their strength, and every shared silence a monument to their unspoken understanding. They bear the weight of their past, not as a burden, but as a badge of honor, a testament to the human spirit's tenacity in the face of adversity. In the end, they are not merely survivors, but victors, their scars a testament to a battle fought and won. They stand amid the ruins of their innocence, forever changed and forever marked by their journey into the heart of darkness, and back. It is said that every person carries a shadow within him, a fragment of darkness that shapes their character. For our brave teenagers, their shadows are cast by the towering canopy, their characters forged in the crucible of survival. As they move forward, they carry these shadows with a quiet dignity, their hearts beating in time with the pulse of the jungle, their souls forever entwined with the heartbeat of the wild.